Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Hump Day. We're going to talk some USC football. The 2021 schedule is finally out, so Keely Yor and myself will be breaking it down. You can follow Keely on Twitter, at Keely is my name. She does a great job covering the Trojans for us here over at uscfootball.com. If you have any questions or comments for the show, we need to get a lot this week, but we'll answer whatever you guys send in. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com. That's the email address. And if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too. The number there is 424-254-9141. Send us a text. Leave us a voicemail. We'd be happy to play it and answer it on the podcast. And more importantly, if you got an iPhone, you got any kind of Apple device, go to Apple Podcasts, the Apple Podcasting app on your device. Please subscribe to the Parastyle Podcast if you don't already. Hopefully you do. Leave us a five-star rating, a positive review. If you left one before, you can leave another one. That really helps us to grow the show. If you put any comments, feedback, suggestions in there, if you have a question, we will answer it right at the top of the show. And we really, it really does help us to grow the Peristyle Podcast, especially through the offseason. So we appreciate you doing that. I want to welcome in Keely York. I think we got a couple new reviews. Well, Keely, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well. I'm excited that we get to talk about some football. It's future football, but we get to talk about it nonetheless. So I'm excited. But we do have some new reviews. So shall we get into that? Yeah, let's jump in. We have two five-star reviews. Uh, one is from Grumpy Oso, who I I recognize from Twitter, so thank you for that. Simple Awesome, he says, five stars. I enjoy every podcast that is produced and every person on the team. You guys are awesome. Fight on. Thank you, thank you. Thanks. And then, Ryan, this one's specifically for you. It's from Randy, who gave us five stars and says, Ryan is the best. Been following Ryan for many years. Best coverage of USC football out there. There you go. Wow. Yeah, that's a smart man. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. But thanks for the reviews. Those are great. Uh, we appreciate them very much. And uh, thanks for doing that. And if you have a few minutes, get out there and do one yourself. And if you happen to be catching this show, we are recording on Wednesday afternoon. If you get it in time, your Wednesday evening, this is the final day of our 50% off VIP sale. And you also get Paramount Plus, which is CBS All Access until like tomorrow, until the the 4th. It'll be Paramount Plus. It's uh, one of the best streaming services out there. Live sports, tons of content. You get that free as long as you're a member of uscfootball.com. So you normally just pay for the uscfootball.com membership. Now you get the streaming service for free. You get your television for free. Uh, It's a no-brainer, so make sure you do that before midnight. Uh, on the on Wednesday, March third, if you're listening to this uh, today, if not, sorry, uh, you missed the deal, but that's uh, it's a really good one, and you should go check out uscfootball.com anyway. That's what that's what fuels this show. So hopefully you guys can do that. I uh, also want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, and I always like scanning the website before I do my weekly uh, run over to Trader Joe's. And this one, you know, I try to be savory sometimes, Keely, because you get on me. I got a little <laughs> sweet tooth. You I do. Saw the, the, the problem is pictures, you know, like I, I see something shiny and I gravitate mm-hmm. towards it. If you go to TraderJoes.com, you can see it too. These are, so you have the peanut butter cup brownies and they're made 
They look ridiculous, by the way, which I'm a big sweet tooth guy. These things look like, wow, that might even be too sweet for me, but they're not. Wow. Um, it's like, if I'm saying that, you know, it's something. It's Trader mm-hmm. Joe's uh, truffle brownie mix. So they have a brownie mix. Uh, it's funny. I had a neighbor made banana bread the other day. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's my Trader Joe's banana bread mix. I'm like, oh, I haven't tried that. I'll have to try that one. Well, this is a truffle brownie mix from Trader Joe's. And then also they take those dark chocolate peanut butter cups. And they look like they're just melted on top of this thing, like cut in half. They look ridiculous. So I'm going to have to try this. Uh, It only takes about 10 minutes to prep and about 32 minutes of of cooking time. So um, you just need the brownie mix, a couple eggs, and some butter. And you uh, unwrap some of those the uh, dark chocolate peanut butter cups and go to town. I'm going to have to close this window now because now I'm really hungry <laughs> and I want to eat those, but make sure you go to Trader Joe's and check it out. They've been awesome to us over the years. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're peanut cup, chocolate cup. I'm forgetting the name right now, Ryan, which is horrible, but that, that itself that they sell is so dangerous. So if you add that into brownies, I can only imagine that's just unreal. It's like this shiny chocolate melted <laughs> over a brownie. I'm like, why haven't I done that before? I'm so Yeah. <laughs> You need to so, update us on what you think. Yeah, I'll have to try those. Okay, uh, well, we got a lot of stuff to to get to today, Keela. Like I said, we don't have a lot of questions, but we have a bunch of topics, so that's uh, that's good. It's always good to have something to talk about. And we got plenty today. USC's football schedule. It came out, if you didn't know, uh, a couple of the Power Five conferences released their schedules in uh, January, a couple other one, the other two, uh, early February. So it's been about a month since we've had a schedule release. And so the PAC 12 is about a month behind the uh, latest of the power five conferences, but we finally got it uh, this week on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning, basically right when I went in to do my workout in the morning, my zoom workout, that's when the schedule was released, but whatever you knew what was happening and it comes out. And uh, yeah, so the whole PAC 12 gets their schedule. And so people know people are like, why is BYU the last game of the season? This wasn't picking out of conference games. This wasn't, you know, doing all that stuff. You knew who the opponents were going to be. You knew if they were home or away. All this was is what order were they going to be played in? So when is your bye week? Do you have to go on the road three times in a row? Are you playing on Fridays and Thursdays? Like, so that's the kind of stuff that was going to get uh, flushed out. And that's what you were waiting on. So if you were trying to plan like the weekender, or, you know, a homecoming or like you couldn't do that stuff because the Pac-12 hadn't released a schedule. Now it's out. But it's funny, Keela, when people are like initially looking at it, they're asking these questions like that was already determined. Like that had nothing to do with the schedule <laughs> yeah. that just came out. You know what I mean? Yeah. The BYU game was determined in 2013. So when I was in high- <laughs> graduating high school. So this has been a thing for a while, guys. <laughs> yeah. So that was I think it was at a two or three for one, like two or three USC home games and then one road game for BYU, which if you remember a couple of years ago, USC lost on the road to BYU. And this is the, I think the finality of that series. Yes. Yes. So uh, it's just weird though. You know, I will, I'm not going to lie. Even though we knew it's still weird seeing BYU is the last game to end the season, the regular season. So I will agree that it is weird, but we didn't know that was coming. (laughs) Yeah. it It was funny. People were asking me about the schedule before it was released. And if you look at any of the schedules that would be online, they would normally just kind of list the games that they know in order. So you knew San Jose state was opening weekend. And then you knew, Notre Dame was like that, whatever, the third Saturday in October or whatever it is. And then you knew BYU was last. And then they would list the Pac-12 schools like in alphabetical order. And I, someone I think maybe wrote to the podcast or one of the shows and was like, 
why do you have to play, you know, Notre Dame, BYU, and Arizona State like back to back to back to start the season? It's like, no, that's that's, <laughs> that's the order. That's not the order. That's not how, so. There's yeah. a lot of you know people confused about this schedule, but now it's out. Now it's fully out. Um, you know, in the last year, I think we had what three schedules for 2020. There was all you <laughs> we know, did. There was a lot of those, but this one and overall, Keely, very favorable for the Trojans. Yes, this is a very favorable schedule. I mean, this is something if you wanted to handpick what you wanted to play, this is kind of it. I mean, um, at Washington State, that's always I've had my experiences in Bullman. And so I, I was at that 2017 loss. So I know that that can be a tricky place for USC. But as far as the first six games, though, those are very manageable. Now, we talked about it a lot, what USC should do. And what they do do is two different things sometimes in the Clay Hilton era. So what they can and what they should do are are different. But uh, very manageable having a bye week before going to Notre Dame. Notre Dame also has a bye before facing USC. So at least the competition field is is equal in that sense. Um, And then, you know, at Arizona, at Cal, that's going to be a little difficult. I think you got to circle that ASU game, of course, especially because there's definitely some chippiness between both programs now, especially on Twitter. Um, but, you know, this is definitely favorable, and that's something that USC is going to have to take care of business and do, because if you do well, I mean, Chris Trevino had a different prediction than I do, and we'll talk about all the family feuds soon, but if you do well, you win the go to the conference championship game, you win that, you're kind of in the college football playoff conversation, you'd have to be, so this is something that USC would want. USC fans are a little frustrated, I think, those Helton haters. Uh, they're like, this is too favorable. So <laughs> I think it's a mixed bag for people sometimes. But uh, overall, if you're a USC fan, you should be happy about this schedule. Yeah, there's a lot of fans that aren't super happy because if you look at the, the original 2020 schedule, it was a beast as far as yeah. the competition goes. I mean, you had Alabama on there. There's there's no ducking Alabama, right? Like That could be a complete exposure game. You don't really have that anymore. Now, Notre Dame's yeah. coming off a playoff run, but you get them off a bye. Um, you know, that's a that's a that's certainly going to be the toughest game. If if USC's not, that, that'll be a game USC's probably not favored in. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, I would see the Trojans being favored. Um, and if you look at, you know, last year, 2020, they were supposed to be Washington and Oregon. They come off the schedule this year. So now you're back to Oregon State yep. and Washington State. You know, Oregon mm-hmm. State's feisty kind of team. Uh, but you know, they're still Oregon state and, and Washington state. They, I, you know, I like Nick Rolovich, but it's just, you know, to, to have a rebuild happening during the pandemic, it's almost like it's going to be his first year again. So there's an yeah. advantage there. Um, but if you look at, you mentioned the cultural playoff, it's still going to be a pretty good resume builder because like a San Jose state, they went seven and one last year. You know, they won the mountain West, you know, they beat Boise state. Uh, they had a weird loss in the bowl game, but Anyway, finished, like, yeah, they finish as the highest ranked uh, team in California. So there you go. Right. So they'll have a bunch of wins, most likely. Uh, Brett Brennan, you know, one of the hot coaching candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, if USC is in the market after next year, he, you know, he could be one of the dudes that you would look at. I don't, you know, he's, he's still sticking around there for now. But that, that could be, you know, a decent win if they're still a fringe ranked team. Uh, obviously, Notre Dame, that's a, a resume builder. And, you know, BYU. Uh, we'll see how they do. It's going to be the end of the season. That, that's a team that kind of goes up and down. Sometimes they play great. Sometimes they're not playing as well. Uh, but, you know, they'll probably have a bunch of wins also. So those out-of-conference games will be resume builders. And then, you know, you play Utah uh, at home instead of on the road. Yeah. And, you know, the Utes lost their r- really weird situation. They, their wide receiver coach goes. They have some wide receivers go to the transfer portal. 
Um, you know, they got a quarterback that that left. What, what Cameron Rising is not going to be able to go through spring football. He got injured in the game against USC last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some weird stuff going on with Utah, but they're going to, you know, it'll be by game six. They'll probably be a decent team. Arizona State, like you mentioned, uh, that's going to be, you know, a tough one. Um, you know, the bye week is dead in the middle. There's no Friday game. There's no Thursday yeah. games. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, you know, one back-to-back uh, road game, but that's, you know, you're, one of them's in California. You know, it's just not that big of a deal. And yeah. you don't have to play a road game against a team coming off a bye. That's, you know, there's some big ones there. So there's all these little scheduled nuances that the Pac-12 would sort of throw at you where it's like, oh, you're going to play on the road on a Saturday and then go on the road the following Friday. Like that happens yeah. a lot, you know, to the top teams. Like it would happen to Oregon. Like oh, Oregon looks good. They lose. It would happen to Washington, USC, Stanford. All these teams would have to do these things. They're just like, you could have avoided that. Why did you have them do that? Not that it's, it completely blocks you from winning that game, but it, it doesn't help, you know? And this is a situation where USC isn't hindered by the schedule um, and it looked, you know, and across the board in the Pac-12, I think, you know, there's a couple situations. I think Washington and UCLA both have like back-to-back road games and and the the second team is coming off a bye. But for the most part, it's a pretty good schedule for everyone as far as how it's distributed out. Like, it's almost like some forethought went into it where before they just threw it out there and like, oh, whatever happens, happens. Like, oh, you know. Oh, Washington's really good, and we're going to make them do something crazy stupid. Oh, okay, well, too bad, you know. Um, yeah, it didn't really happen this year, especially the USC's, especially like they've got, like you said, it was like it was handpicked for the Trojans. Yeah, no, this is something that USC can definitely take care of. It's, I believe, it's the first time since 2009 that they're not playing a weekday. Uh, they're playing all their games on Saturday, so that's big. I mean, it's one of those things where if you're a USC fan or if you've been covering USC for a while. You're, you would know all the weird things that USC got handed over the years. Like, remember that one time where their, their bye week was the last week of the season, Ryan, or every yeah. team, every team that played USC either had a bye week or had a Friday game. So they had extra time before playing USC. There were all these weird things that just, you wouldn't know it if you were just a college football fan, but if you're paying attention, you're like, this is just not that fair for USC. So this is something where it's actually in their favor. So, I mean, it's it's good for them. USC needs to take care of business, and Clay Helton uh, made an appearance on the, the Pac-12 release, schedule release show yesterday and said as much that they have to take care of business, and you got to come out of the gates with San, San Jose State and Stanford pretty strong there. So, I mean, they, they know what they need to do when you're going into your third season with Keaton Slovis. I mean, this is very manageable. And I know people, and I said it myself, like the BYU game at the end of the season is weird, but I think that's actually favorable for USC because as we saw in 2019, and granted it's different circumstances, but I think USC is the type of team that would stumble more in the early, early season with a BYU type team rather than when they've gone through the full season and they know what they're doing they would take care of business against a team like BYU. Does that make sense, Ryan? Like, I just yeah. feel like it's better place at the end of the season and it's less of a trap game at that uh, in November rather than maybe a September. Yeah. And you get them at home. So I, yeah, I think it's cool. It's a good way to mix things up. It's a Thanksgiving uh, weekend game. So that'll be fun. But yeah, having all Saturdays, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal for the USC fans. You got seven home games. That's yeah. nice. So a lot of tailgating after not being, hopefully, after not being able to do any of that uh, in 2020, that one year was very strange when everyone USC played had extra time. Like every, <laughs> yeah. it was like, 
you're like, what? Like, how is that? That's the kind of stuff that the schedule could have provided. Like, if you look at everyone's Friday games, like USC's not playing anyone after they've played on a Friday, so no extra time. Um, or, you know, Utah's coming off a bye, but USC gets them at home. So they're for that situation where there could be things that are stacked uh, against you a little bit where you're kind of putting a team at a, a disadvantage you don't need to. Uh, Stanford's schedule is extremely tough. Um, you know, USC gets to play Stanford in uh, week two, uh, and they'll be coming from back from Texas. They're playing uh, Kansas State at Arlington. Um, yeah. They play all Power Five teams, um, you know, two back-to-back road game weeks. Like, it's not an easy uh, slate for Stanford. But they had some adversity last year, and sometimes, you know, without being out, they played one home game last year. And still went four and two, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, they lose their quarterback. So there, there's a lot of positive situations here for USC. And I don't think it's by accident. I know people were talking about it. I tweeted a few things and I wrote a column about the schedule, giving credit to the athletic department, because this is the kind of thing, if you're a blue blood that you would do, you don't want to look at the schedule and go, the SEC would never do that to Alabama or the big 10 would never do that to Ohio state. You would say that year after year, like there's no way that Ohio State or Alabama or, or Texas or whatever would have to face this in their conference schedule, something that they could, the conference could actually control. So I would give kudos to the athletic department, according to sources we talked to, they were certainly in talks with the Pac-12 about this. It's not just the ability to say, you know, to I think it, part of it's the ability to know what's good and what's not. Like, like you said, this was handpicked. They avoided any of the pitfalls, any of the, you know, landmines that would be potential landmines out there to give themselves, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be favorable. It just doesn't have to be detrimental to your efforts. I think that's one aspect of it. But being proactive and knowing what you want and being able to express that to the Pac-12, who had to be in somewhat debt to USC because, you know, you're looking at the FCS schools playing right now trying to play right now, that could have been the Pac-12 on their own. Yep. I mean, what kind of Power 5 league would that the Pac-12 be if they're playing where all these FCS schools are playing on ESPN Plus? Like, that's, uh, you know, without that letter from the USC players. So I think they might, USC might have uh, flexed their muscles a little bit here, Keely, and I'm, I'm happy to see it. And, uh, the, you know, you see the fruits of, of that effort there. Yeah, I get the sense that this athletic department definitely paid attention to the the pain points of previous schedules and and how they could have avoided that and and like you said they went ahead and tried to make sure that they were they were proactive about that. And I mean, we also have to note it's kind of accepted now, but that September 4th game against San Jose State wasn't on the schedule normally. And you, we had the the podcast with Mike Bone Ryan and he announced that they were changing the UC Davis game. So that was something where that administration came in and saw how important tradition was to to keep that FBS uh, tradition up, and and they did. So that's why USC is playing San Jose State. So it just seems like this administration is at least more cognizant of the things that are important um, to USC success and to USC fans. Yeah, if you forget that fact, like oh yeah, that was Mike Bone on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and now yeah. USC is one of two because uh, UCLA is going to play some HBCUs. So uh, Notre Dame and USC, the only two schools left who have only played FBS schools. Yeah, and for UCLA, like um, I like that. I don't like if you're going to break the tradition. If you're going to play, oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's the way to do it. Not play UC Davis where it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this, they're going to play like an FCS school or a couple of FCS schools for a reason. And I, I like that one. So that's don't, uh, don't mind that one. So yeah, overall, yeah. 
um, positive, but you know, you could say that it's, it's working out in USC's favor right now. We've seen the Trojans win a lot of offseason stuff, get recruiting classes that are hi- highly ranked, things like that. I think it's fair if fans are going to go, all right, well, you got your quarterback back. You got the second year of a whole defensive staff you picked. You got your you know, third year of this offense that you picked. You got your new special teams coach, and it's going to be his second year. Got plenty of talent returning. You got all his extra roster spots because of seniors don't count anymore. There aren't any excuses. Go yeah. out and win the Pac-12. And uh, I, I completely agree with that. This is a team, like, I think USC fans could be upset at a 10-2 and two team for this one. Honestly, yeah. like, they're going to be favored in 11 of the games, you know? Yeah. So give, give them a loss somewhere else, whatever. That's fine. Um, but they will be favored in 11 of 12 games. Uh, you know, and who knows? If Notre Dame's not that good, they could be favored in all of them. Sure. Um, if they start losing games early on, they will probably won't be favored. But if you play up to your potential, you'll be favored in all these games. I, I feel like it should be an 11-1 kind of season. 10-2, okay. You know, you if you win the Pac-12 and you go 10-2, fine. Like you lose one Pac-12 game, you lose Notre Dame. You beat whoever in the championship game, and you end up eleven and two. Fine. Okay, that's cool. But like, if it's a, if you're like not even going to win the South, or if you you know lose a couple of Pac-12 games but still win the South, and then losing the Pac-12 championship, like, I thought 2020 was a failure. If it, anything but a Pac-12 championship, and I mean, two definitely more than two losses to me is going to be that's highly underachieving. Yeah, I mean, I hate way too early predictions, but if we just want to look at it on paper, I think you have to be in double digits for wins. Yeah. Either 10 and 2. I mean, Chris predicted that USC will go 9 and 3, and I, I just don't think you can do that. And and here's the thing. We've said this every offseason. You know, it sounds like every offseason we've been, okay, this is the season. This is the season that, that they have everything in place. Clay Helton has to be uh, judged fairly on how this season goes. But I really do think this season is obviously the season. We talked about it ad nauseum, the very slow, long, quote-unquote, Notre Dame rebuild. Well, they finally did that. They have what they need in place. Um, you're hopefully not going to have a lot of COVID issues this season. Um, you showed what you could do in a, a COVID season. Yes, they were last minute wins but you still came away winning the regular season you know it this is this is the year you have a favorable schedule you have all the pieces in place you have a third year quarterback you got to get this done so I agree with you Ryan I don't think I would be as uh harsh maybe but but yes you have to get it done I I just hate throwing word around the the word failure that's my only issue (laughs) people really didn't like when I would say failure but that's why I kept saying it I'm like it's a failure (laughs) like this is what you got to do I but I looked at the 2020, the third version of the schedule, and said, this is gutted. This is way easy. They're going to go undefeated. And they actually did. They went undefeated. I mean, I was right. Now, did I expect the Arizona State game to be, you know, you have to need a miracle to win that game? No. Did I expect that, you know, Utah would have to miss their first couple games and have their quarterback hurt in the, you know, the first quarter of the game and so USC can win that game? Like, no, but things not only did the schedule work out USC's ways, but a lot of things were favorable for the Trojans. That's, that's part of the reason why I thought it was a failure where all you had to do was beat a three and two Oregon team. And you couldn't do that. Um, or two, I think there were two and two at the time or something, whatever it was. Um, yeah. So that's the way I kind of look at it. And this schedule, if you look at the same thing, similar to 2020, you know, you don't, there's more games. So there's definitely more opportunities if you don't play well to lose where the shortened season, it was like, 
you know, just play well, decent in those games, you're probably going to win them all. They got some some breaks. They got some bounces that went their way, and and they end up going undefeated in the regular season. I see them winning a lot of these games, and I just you know if they don't, I think there's a real issue. But playing a you know not playing a Washington, not playing an Oregon, not playing an Alabama, all of those things are, are beneficial. And I think there's some good tests with a you know should be a feisty San Jose State team, yeah. um, a gritty BYU team that you know gave USC troubles a couple of years ago, and you know. That that team's kind of a crapshoot. They're actually playing uh, five Pac-12 teams, BYU. So it's like kind of like uh, Notre Dame and the ACC. They play Arizona, Arizona State, uh, USC, Utah, and Washington State. So you see a lot of BYU in the uh, in the Pac-12 this year. But it's going to end the season, and uh, you know you you got to try to end on a high note there. So I, yep. expectations high, and I don't think that's uh, unfair. I think this is. You know, you know that USC sort of dodged a bullet last year when they didn't have to play all those teams that were on the schedule. As long as everything goes smoothly, there shouldn't be any bullet dodging in this one. You have to go out and show that you're a well-coached team, you know you're a talented team, and go out and win these games without any excuses. Yeah. I mean, to take Clay Hilton at his word, after the Oregon loss, he said the championship is not... Uh, denied it's delayed well if you think it's delayed for your team here's your opportunity in 2021 this is a very favorable schedule so go out there and get it if that's what you believe so uh, i think i think it's very reasonable to expect that of this team and you mentioned um that uh, clay helton did speak uh on on the pac-12 network uh, about the schedule a little bit uh maybe we can get into some of the stuff he said because there was some some newsy stuff you know like with keaton slovis but there was also some like you know, coaching, you know, the, the Clay Heltonisms where you're like, we were undefeated in the regular season last year. You know, some of the things you're just like, okay, just maybe, <laughs> maybe don't say that. Yeah. I mean, you know how I feel about Clay Helton quotes. He's Clay Helton. We know what he's going to be at this point. Very optimistic. But yeah, he gave an update on Keaton Slovis. And I know there was some confusion on the parasail about this. So as far as like the, the weird throws we saw from Keaton Slovis, USC maintained throughout the season that Slovis wasn't hurt. But he did get hurt on that last play, that interception uh, in the Pac-12 championship against Oregon. So there's some confusion about, uh, like, was he hurt? Was he was he not hurt? He was hurt at the very last play. So but for the for the entirety of the 2020 season, pretty much, he was not hurt. Um, so Helton gave an update on the shoulder injury uh, that he suffered, uh, Keaton Slovis, and he said that he should be good to go for spring camp. He also mentioned that two other quarterbacks are, are joining in camp, and that should be interesting, so look out for that. Um, but he said that uh, Slovis is going through winter workouts, looks good. Apparently, he's put on weight, um, so he said he's really excited to get his junior campaign started. So uh, good things as far as that goes, because I know last year, Keenan also got hurt in the bowl game against uh, Iowa in uh, the Holiday Bowl. And that was the issue, him coming back and being 100% right before spring camp got got uh, canceled. So the fact that he's feeling good this early is a good sign because I know there's a little bit of concern of how how significant is that shoulder injury. But apparently, according to Helton, he's he's good to go. Yeah, so that's good news. Obviously, you want to be able to see him out there in spring football. And we want to see the defense. We want to see all this stuff. I mean, hopefully, we can see it. I don't know. We haven't heard anything about us being able to attend, but we'll let you know when we – when we hear and Clay Hilton did say, I thought I, I, he originally said early April that I think we reported or something like it was, I bet it was going to be March 30th, but Clay Hilton on that broadcast, I guess he said March 29th for the start of spring football. So 
It so it's just a, a phrasing difference. The first actual practice is March thirtieth, but they'll okay. start their like walkthrough things that we won't be able to see on March twenty ninth. So it starts the week of March twenty ninth, but the first like quote unquote practice, like one that we would be able to go to, would be March thirtieth. Okay, that makes sense, and that's yeah. uh, later than what we've traditionally seen, but that that does make sense. I'm doing a rundown, I, recording a little bit later today our podcast of champions. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that we'll, we'll kind of break down the schedule, but also I got an update on most of the other schools in spring football, still a lot, not of, you know, some schools haven't announced calorie started, uh, Arizona state, uh, I believe they just started. Um, but some of just still haven't announced, uh, Arizona state, you get to, uh, they're, they're, they're letting media watch, but only four people a day. So oh. I guess there's, I don't know if it's like a lottery system or just a rotational system or something, but they'll let four reporters out there. So I don't know if there's just have. What you have twenty four feet of feet of space, so that you know they're six feet apart, and that's all you could you know fit. I guess I'm, I'm not sure. It just seems a little weird, uh, but whatever. That's so we're gonna start seeing some spring football stuff start, and like Keely said, first uh, practice for USC uh, should be March thirtieth, end of the month. Yeah, and then pro day is uh, March twenty fourth, so another important date to circle on your calendar. And I, I, I maybe I confused some people. They, uh, I tweeted out yesterday. So USC tweeted out. All, all the invites to the combine. So basically all seven players that declared that left, you know, the program, it was Jay Tefele pre, you know, before the season. And then the other six guys, um, after the season, they were all invited to the combine, but it's not a real combine. They're not, I don't even think they're going to be there in person. It's uh, no in-person workouts. They'll have like zoom meetings and things like that. They're encouraging schools to make these players available media wise and stuff. So I, I don't even think anyone's traveling to Indianapolis. I didn't see specifically um, if that was happening or not. They were invited to the combine, but there's not like a real combine. So I'm not sure if there's more invitees this year than previous, but basically all the in-person workout stuff will be done at the individual schools pro days. And the NFL will be working with uh, the pe- the administrators of those pro days, trying to have NFL personnel there to make it as uniform as possible. The good thing about the combine is everyone's doing the exact same thing for the pro days. It's all different situations, right? So they're, they're going to try to make it as uniform as possible, but all of the, you know, the, the NFL entries, you know, from USC are, are invited to the combine. There's just not, not a real combine this year. Do you understand why there's not a real combine this year? I mean, after everything that's happened, I feel like that's a weird thing to draw the line about. (laughs) It's a, it's a strange one. You know, I, I, I was going to ask some of the NFL guys I know and, and see sort of why um, I think part of it, just bringing in all of these players from across the country, flying them into yeah. Indianapolis. I mean, to do it right, you'd probably have to bring them in like two weeks early and quarantine and all this stuff. Cause once you get them there, but you know, you're bringing people from all over the place, you would have, you kind of need that quarantine period or something like they would have with the bubble. Yeah, It'd be no, a neat little sense. bubble you'd have, you know, but um, yeah, I think, th- I think that would be tough. It'd be kind of a big ask to have everyone spend like three weeks of their life so they can go through like a day and a half of, of workouts or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I didn't think that through, but that's a great point, right? <laughs> yeah. That would be my guess, but I didn't, I haven't talked to anyone about it specifically. Makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I would, any other things from Clay Helton's, he, it was very quick. His, uh, uh, 
his show, his interview on the the release show. But he did say that uh, they asked about Alabama and if that will get rescheduled. And he said that's a question for Mike Bone. But I feel like if you're USC, you're not necessarily rushing to reschedule that game. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, they're probably like, okay, let's just move on. That was an interesting yeah. game. Well, people can forget about that. Um, he t- he talked about like Drake Jackson a little bit, you know, being an absolute stud. You know, like could be one of the best in the country. Um, you know, it, I mean, the biggest newsy stuff was, you know, maybe the Alabama stuff, just, you know, not, not that you knew anything, but really Keaton Slovis and that, that injury. Cause we just really get a lot of opportunities to talk to the coaches, uh, post, um, you know, the, the after the Oregon game. So, uh, we yeah. didn't really know the update on his injury. Well, we didn't fully know any real details about his injury. All we knew was based on an interview with, uh, that Clay Hilton had with Ryan Karchi, where he said, uh, Slowest would have been held out of a potential bowl game and that uh, contributed to their decision but I mean we never really got a full update or anything and like the only time we've talked to Clay Helton since then has been about signing day so uh, it's been a little weird of a drop off um, since the Oregon game so hopefully we'll get some more information soon yeah alright well why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and I uh, got a few more topics and, uh, and a question to get to Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Hopefully you guys all got to check out my uh, Tunnel Vision interview one-on-one with uh, Isaiah Polamau. So he was one of those guys that could have went to the NFL. He decided to return. Uh, Keely took a good picture of Isaiah and uh, Talanoa Hufunga after the game, kind of consoling themselves uh, in the Coliseum under the Peristyle. And uh, you know, I talked to him about that, what that conversation was like, too. Uh, but it was a you know maybe 25 minutes or so. He was great. Uh, it was really uh, you know engaging and fun to talk to, and we get to talk to him a little you know a bunch of different topics. Uh, but it was a uh, it, it was a good one. So make sure you go check it out. It's up on uscfootball.com. Or you can go to our YouTube page. Um, I don't think I put it up as a podcast. I could have done that, but well you know you can check it out on our YouTube page. Uh, but really I don't know. Cool conversation with Isaiah Polamal. It could be a big. Um, I think it's a big addition or a big retention. You know to be able to retain him and keep him um, not losing both safeties. I think it's a, it's a big deal for Todd Orlando and Craig Nivar and the USC defense. Oh yeah. That's huge. I mean, the fact that, you I mean, we talked about the bajillion uh, new defensive backs that they're bringing in and they brought in in this last class. If you have a guy like Isaiah Pulamau, who's, who's older, who has that leadership 
ability that he has uh, to kind of steer these young guys and, and make sure there's a good transition from veteran defensive backs to the the new guys. I think that's great for USC to have. And he's a returning captain, so uh, definitely a boost for USC there. For sure. And he taught, you know, I asked him about the the freshman safety. So you got Zamarian Gordon, Anthony Beavers, Caleb Bullock coming in. You also have the Texas transfer, Xavier Alford, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking those guys under his wing. You know, he likes the way they've all been working out. He said there's like a rotation for the freshmen. So they sort of get time with each of them. Uh, they get kind of get paired up every practice and get to work with those guys. So it's a, you know, a way to sort of integrate them into the team. Um, so that was kind of interesting. You can check that out. You know, he talked about, like I said, that conversation with Talano Funga. He really felt that Talano was going to leave. And uh, for him, you know, it, it was the decision, you know, he got some good advice and kind of made his decision to come back to USC a little bit easier. So you can kind of check that, that stuff out there. The way he talked about Craig Navar was, was great. Um, just, I mean, I, we love talking to him. He's got a lot of energy. He's a great recruiter. And, you know, he, he can give tough love uh, to the guys, but there's definitely a bond there between him. They just seem to really, you know, love him. You hear a lot about Dante Williams, but, you know, they got, USC's got a pair of really good coaches in the secondary. Uh, I think that helps. He talked about, you know, what their, his evaluation was for the 2020 secondary and what he feels the group can do, um, you know, going forward. And really, I, I asked him about the strength and conditioning coach they're going through these winter workouts right now. And he said it's, it's made it, you know, he feels his body's different. He's still about six, four, two Oh five. He said, but he feels his body's changed quite a bit and there's less emphasis on sort of like putting up numbers. Like there would be a lot of stats about what your lifts were. And there was, it was kind of these power lifts. It was a lot of bench presses. It was a lot of squats and there was like numbers associated with all those things. And, He's like, this is a lot more core and agility. And he feels like it's more like football kind of moves. And so he's enjoyed it. But, you know, anytime you switch workouts, usually you're going to get some kind of boost because it's different than what you were doing before. Yeah. Um, not going to say one's better or worse, whatever. But he definitely seemed excited about uh, what they're doing strength and conditioning wise with uh, with Robert Steiner. And the way he introduced themselves, like they were like on a Zoom call and they're like, they're sort of nervous, you know, like if you get a new teacher and you're waiting, like what's going on, you know, what's this teacher going to be like? And he didn't give a long speech or anything. He's just like, Hey, nice to meet all you guys. Let's get to work. And it wasn't like, <laughs> here's my plan. It was nothing. It was just like, boom. And they're all like, uh, okay. Uh, but I think, I think he's got their attention now, but that was just his uh, quick introduction there. It's it kind of funny. Very nice. I know. I mean, we always have to put the preface that like every time there's a new strength and conditioning coach or program, it's always you always hear positive things coming out there. But I have heard it, it seems different. It seems like people are really buying in and they feel good about the program. So uh, cool to see that Isaiah said the same. Yeah, what there's it, it always happens, right? I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. after signing day, like, does anyone ever go, man, no coach is going to come out and say, wow, we were terrible. We whiffed on five guys at the end. Like, you're going to accentuate the positives, you know, and whenever you switch something, if you're in a relationship from one to another, you're, you lose this relationship and you start another one. When you go to the new one, you're not talking about, well, I hope it's not going to be this. You're going to be like, Oh, the reason I like it's because of this, this, and this. And the same thing with, you know, you get a new strength coach. It's always excitement. It's always like, Oh yeah. Everyone's just doing their workouts and they're everyone's, you know, going crazy. And they're all look, you know, that's just a thing that just happens uh, in college football. But it's a fun thing still to talk 
talk about it and you, <laughs> yeah. you want to see the results, you know, and uh, this is the third strength and conditioning coach uh, for Isaiah Polamau because, you know, he had Ivan uh, yeah. Lewis early on and then you had a couple years of Aaron Osmus. And we talked about this on the, the uh, I think, Tunnel Vision. You feel bad, or maybe it was here, I can't remember what it was, but you feel bad for Aaron Osmus because he came in really late before spring football. So he didn't like get them to prep everyone for 2019 spring football. So sort of like a shortened year trying to install all of his stuff. And then 2020, he couldn't work with them at all. It was all like zoom workouts and stuff. And for, I think if you're like Robert Steiner, you're probably your, your workouts are probably built more toward like they would be easier to adapt to a bunch of zoom workouts. You know, you could do things with like, low weights and, uh, you know, body weight and things like that. And I remember talking to Aaron Oswitz about it and he just, you know, was like looking at me funny when I talked about body weight stuff, that wasn't really part of his routine. Right. So you weren't going to have everyone that has a, a home gym. So you had to kind of adapt. So it was sort of like he was out of his comfort zone there a little bit too, trying to create these home workouts where you don't have all the equipment that, you know, he really emphasizes. Like that's the big part of his, routine and that his, you know, his platform has those, you know, squat racks and benches and all those kind of things. When you don't have those, now you got to do something completely different. I think what Robert Steiner's doing now sort of lends itself to that, but that's another kind of disadvantage that Aaron Osmus had where he had like a shortened season, the first season, and then like a trunk, you know, whatever, a crazy pandemic season. And then his, his contract wasn't retained. So, yeah. um, you know, feel bad for what's going on there. I'm sure he'll land on his feet, but uh, I think the guys, you know, everyone that I've talked to so far has been excited about uh, what Robert Steiner can do. So, and I say Paul Amal kind of reflected that in the interview. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so make sure you go check uh, that out. We also had some uh, support staff additions. Keely, a couple of uh, new names. It seems like every week there's new uh, guys <laughs> being added or, yeah. or people being added. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think guys is just a, uh, all-encompassing word like I always think it's funny when people are like hey guys and Keely and it's like no I'm, I'm part of the guys like it's you're okay. definitely one of the guys yeah <laughs> thanks uh, no but USC made uh, two more uh, support staff hires official on Monday now we've already talked about this but USC did get a uh, Jeff Martin out of LSU that's someone who USC was really excited to get um, we talked about him, but he's a guy who, you know, Joe Burrow wanted to meet when he got on campus. Um, just, just a guy who is good at his job. And so he's going to be USC's, uh, new director of scouting and player relations. Now that's a job that, uh, was open because Trey Johnson, who previously held the job, he got the job in 2018, left for Tennessee. So USC was just filling, um, an open role. Cause I know there was a, a post on the Peristyle about how, you know, USC's adding too many support staff people. And it's like, well, okay, these people actually had to fill some uh, pe- people who left. So uh, that's one of them. And then the other one was Megan Muller. Uh, she is the team's new director of recruiting operations. So she actually is going to replace uh, the role that uh, Kelsey Winkle once had. Um, so basically, it, it does a lot with being on campus and organizing visits and, and what USC is going to do when they host uh, recruits and stuff like that. So uh, I've heard good things about her too. She uh, is familiar with the Pac-12 as well. She went to University of Colorado, uh, was a student manager, I believe. She worked uh, in the program and then she had a short stint at Kansas last year. She worked with Les Miles. So uh, I've heard good things about her as well. So USC just boosting up its support staff. And I believe they hired a new graphic designer um, from Michigan State that was made official today. Um, and then there's going to be one more QC announced soon. 
and then that will be it for a while. So <laughs> those are the the movements so far. Yeah, and if you're like, I'm not really following what all these pieces mean, or what does that guy do, or what does she do, or whatever, I, that's fine. I get it. This is USC catching up with the times, and this is what other universities do. There's other red blue bloods do. They have um, key people in these roles that really support the coaching staff and do a lot of the things that kind of free up the coaches to do, you know, really their job. And we've, you've seen some good people have these jobs at USC. There just wasn't enough of them. Uh, like a Gavin Morris is great, but there's only so much he can do. And he's going to have his strengths, which is more of the interpersonal relations and maybe not setting up, uh, you know, the, the, all the visits and everything you need to do. Um, and you, that's why you have this, you know, all these people with different roles. I don't, I don't see Gavin, you know, cranking out some, uh, recruiting videos, you know, those are just, that's not him. So you have, you're hiring people to do these jobs because there's all a whole bunch of important jobs and USC sort of was just trying to do it with whatever they had. Like, well, maybe you could do this or like, oh, the guy, you know, you're our PA announcer. Maybe you could uh, create some of these social media posts. Like there's, there's stuff like that. You're like, why? Okay. Why are you doing that? That's not what Alabama does. That's not what Ohio state does. And Another, you know, more kudos to uh, the athletic department recognizing like, okay, this is what people are doing in college football now. You didn't have, Pete Carroll didn't do all this stuff because that's not what college football was then. But college football's changed a lot. Unfortunately, if you're, you know, you old time USC fan just thinks that's the way things can be done. It's changed. You know, Nick yeah. Saban. Yeah. You think he's great, but they have all this stuff. Like you don't, you don't say Alabama, you could succeed without this. Everyone that's successful has all this kind of stuff. Clemson has had it for years. There was this, you know, you know, war going on about, you know, trying to get these kind of this kind of personnel on your campus, and USC didn't take part in it. They just, uh, you know, it was an arms race, and USC decided to be Switzerland and like, nah, that's not what we're going to do. And you got passed. You got passed up. I'm not saying that's the main reason why, but it's one of the reasons why. So yeah. USC is now getting up to the times modern college football and this is the way you have to succeed if you're going to say well Pete Carroll didn't need it right because no one else was doing it but if Alabama is doing it then USC should be doing it, right if you if, if it's this isn't below Alabama right Alabama's yeah. have this arms race going on so you can't just say well USC doesn't need that stuff yes they do and USC's administration recognized that and now they're doing it yeah well to be honest it's that mindset from the old athletic department that actually got part of the reason why USC got passed in the college football landscape. It was, we heard this kind of a tone or attitude of, well, we're USC. We don't have to do that. Like, oh, USC recruits itself. And it's like, yes. I mean, it's not, we're pretty far away from the Pete Carroll era now, and you have to keep up with the Alabamas and the Clemson. So now you have to do that. And so I think there's a little bit of, I guess, arrogance in past administrations of like, oh, well, we don't need to do that extra work that other teams are putting in to get top level recruits, you know? And so the fact that USC is not really having that ideology anymore and is now thinking, hey, what can we do to boost uh, our recruiting efforts and make sure that we're keeping up with everyone else and, and getting ahead of things too, you know, with the whole Boulevard uh, production things and, and name, image, and likeness. So I think it's a good shift in, in tone and, and mindset because I, I think the whole strategy of, oh, well, we don't need to do that was not one that will get you long-term success in the long run. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> the people were kind of stuck in the past, and that's just the way it went. And even when Pete Carroll was there, I mean, USC kind of won despite the support that was around him. And it just, even if you had that same kind of magic and that same kind of coach, it would have been difficult to win in this current landscape. And they knew if you do end up hiring a national championship level kind of coach sometime in the near future or down the road or whatever, you still would need, if you could get Nick Saban tomorrow in your USC, you still need that support around him. So now they're building that out and it's good to see they will have the support around them. If Clay Helton goes on and wins the national championship, part of that reason is going to be because of the support that was around him really enabled, you know, giving you that opportunity to, to have that, you know, that kind of stuff. And if they go in another direction, you want to come into a situation where, wow, they have the support around me. I'm going to be a successful head coach there. So it's, it's just changed. College football's changed. You got, you got to have a great coach. Obviously you got to have a great staff. You got to recruit well, but you need that support behind the staff. And if you don't have that, it makes it that much harder. And when you're competing, it's, you know, it's really tough to compete against these teams that have been in the college football playoff year after year after year, you're trying to catch up to them without all the, you know, without all the kind of weapons that they have around them, that's going to be even more difficult. USC has its own advantages being on the West Coast, and when they're good, usually no one else can be good around them. Um, Where Alabama can be really good and LSU can be good and Auburn or whoever, you know, Florida can be good and Georgia can be good. When USC is really good, there's no one really on the coast that's going to be competing with them. It's not the same way in uh, Alabama. So, yeah, USC could do some things maybe half-assed that, you don't need to do a Clemson. You, know, you couldn't do a Clemson in Alabama, but they've just fallen so far behind. You can't. You can't do it that half-assed, and that's the way USC was doing it. <laughs> you, Ryan Abraham, quote: "You can't do it that half-assed." <laughs> yeah. What a quote. They could like they did a lot of stuff half-assed during Pete Carroll's era, right? No, like, I know. Yeah. It's still one. You know. Yeah. No, I just thought the quote was funny, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like. Why not be the best you can? You know, it's like that that talented student who knows that they can study like 10 minutes before the class and still get an A. You know, it's like, why not just actually study and still be that talented student? You know, put your best effort. And I think USC's athletic administration is definitely recognizing that. Yeah, USC was sort of like that. The, okay, they're smartest kid in school. And uh, it's a small school. And you don't need to do, I mean, even when you get drunk the night before and show up for the test hungover, you still get the best grade in the class, right? Sure. Well, you know, Alabama is like that. They're like the smartest kid in school, but they're in a tougher school. So they get hungover. I mean, they get they get drunk and, and hungover. Uh, the, the kid next to them could actually beat them. Where USC, as long as they were like somewhat competent, they weren't going to get beat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you're now looking at this national landscape. It's like a tougher school. Like you're going, you know, this is like your National Honor Society thing. You're going to show up hungover, like you're probably not going to do very well. And that's where USC has been. So, um, yeah, they got, they definitely have some advantages being on the West Coast and being the the one blue blood really out here. But you want to play in the, you know, swim in that national pond. You want to be out there with the Alabamas and the Ohio States. And you you can't do things the way USC has been, been doing them. So I kudos, all point is kudos to the athletic department for seeing that. And I'm not we don't have to give them too much credit. It's really just like common sense of what you're looking at. Like it was more of the previous administration was so terrible. They couldn't even recognize what was going on. So, um, yeah, I'll give the athletic department props because they've recognized stuff, but 
I mean, if you and I were the athletic directors, we'd probably be like, why are we not doing this? Like, just do this, you know, figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Shall we go into our one and only question, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, might as well. Where, where do you want to start? <laughs> the one and only one? Yeah, maybe that one. Um, it's our, from our buddy Brett C. from Knoxville, Tennessee. He says, hi, Keeling Ryan. I'm curious about what's going to be USC's toughest opponent on the new schedule for 2021 and what cutoff would Helton get? Uh, what cutoff would Helton get the axe? Sorry, I didn't proofread this. If USC does not perform well, thanks and fight on as always. Brett C. from Knoxville, Tennessee. I guess we touched on this a little bit with, mm-hmm. you know, Keely said it right. I think it's a double digit win thing, but more importantly, it's win the Pac-12. Now, you can win the Pac-12 in dominant fashion. That's ideal, right? Uh, maybe they go 11 and one or something, maybe 10 and two. You win, the, you lose one Pac-12 game, you win the South, you beat uh, Oregon or Washington, whoever it is in the, in the North, and you win the Pac-12. And maybe if you're, you know, you end up 11 and two, you're, you're not going to make the college football playoff. But I, I think that's, you know, that's what you want. Like that's, a, you know, somewhat successful season, you know, winning the Pac-12 is important. If it's like a, you know, three loss team, four loss team, there's, you know, you, you got upset two or three times and still kind of squeak your way to a conference championship or just winning the South. Like that's not, that's not enough. And so. I don't know if that would necessarily get Clay out in the act. My gut feeling is like anything short of like a very successful season, you could see a coaching change. That's not source. That's just my gut. And uh, we'll see if if that ends up being true. But I I do feel like it's a prove it, prove it, prove it year, especially because last year you sort of got a pass. So it's almost like doubly important this year. Just that's, that's my personal opinion. Yeah, as far as personal opinion, too, I I just think that there's a better sense that this athletic administration is part of it, whereas before they could have been like, hey, it wasn't our hires, we didn't come in with our own process and and boost the staff. Now you have the boost that that Clay Helton needed and wanted. And so if you can't get it done with what the athletic administration feels like they provided, then I think that gives you more reason to be like, hey, this isn't working out, et cetera, et cetera. So I I think that's my, my gut feel on that. But um, I will say, I, you're not going to see the messiness that you saw in previous ethnic administrations. Like, there will be no tarmacking. There's not going to be like a very <laughs> like dramatic thing that USC fans, I think, want because that's how <laughs> they are sometimes. But it, it's going to be more controlled than than a messy situation. I think you're right, uh, and I do feel like, and some of the fans don't like this, that the administration does have Clay Helton's back on all of this, and they're. Um, they can be, even be defensive about it, like when people are critical. Um, but they're they're trying to put their own stamp on the football program in general. You've seen better hires all across the board and everything. And that's that's a great first step. What most of the fans want to see, though, is a great hire as the at the head coaching spot. And we've gone into many reasons why that wasn't happening. Uh, you can agree or disagree with the administration's, you know, thought process on this, but to give them credit, they, I think they've backed the guy they have. They've backed Clay Helton. And then I don't feel like they would feel, you know, I don't think there's any remorse if they have to make a change after the season, knowing we gave him every opportunity to win. And we, this schedule is not difficult. Um, we've, we've taken away any potential landmines. 
We've supported him. We've made sure he had better hires than he was making before. And across the board, you have a better staff and better support everywhere. So if you don't win and you have the talent for sure, if you don't win, that's on you. And I feel like they could put their head on their pillow and sleep well, knowing that we did everything possible to make Clay Helton a successful coach at USC. So that's why, in my opinion, you know, delaying it another year if you don't win a Pac-12 championship is just a, a year too much. And I, you know, I, I know a lot of USC fans feel it's already overdue. It's not changing this year, you know, well, maybe later in the year. So, yeah, I, I feel like the athletic administration supported Clay Helton as much as they possibly could. They weren't doing anything to undermine him. Like some, if they came in and like, we don't want to have Clay on as head coach, let's not support him. And then we can fire him. They have not done that. They've supported him 100%. But I feel like they, that's a justification too. If, they, if they're not winning, that's the only excuse is, well, we don't have a good enough head coach. And that's where, why I think they could make a move. So yeah, give props for that too. They've, they've fully supported Clay Helton where you could see other places if you come in, you're the new AD, you don't like the head coach, do you just not bother supporting him and then let him get fired and then then move on? That USC hasn't done that. Yeah. I mean, and it's this thing where it's I don't feel like this athletic administration is you know what we've heard from Lynn Swan and, and the likes where it's like they kind of get bamboozled a little bit by football speak, where it's like, well, they had a tough schedule, or like there's they're, they're five and oh with a pac 12 south like things that sound good maybe to like more athletic administrators than actual fans you know i don't get the feeling that this athletic administration is going to be kind of bamboozled by that kind of talk like they have high expectations and they know what usc football should be so i don't think that should be a concern either where it's going to be like a uh i've had a talk with clay helton and we're going to revamp literally everything but other than that sounds good for next season you know (laughs) so so i think i think it's it's USC fans should be it's it's better in the sense that and we've seen this from the the offseason moves they've made they pay attention to football and I think they know the the expectations from USC fans yeah for sure and we've seen many revampings under <laughs> many. Clay Hilton, right like <laughs> yeah Lin Swan was revamping everything I think uh, John Wilner put in his column today about the what you know scheme personnel uh, uh yeah, staff yeah. uh <laughs> yeah. discipline or whatever there's five things like besides that everything was great um that already happened over the previous athletic director now you've gone full coaching staff turnover on the new athletic director but i i kind of like the way they're doing it they're not if you throw a coach under the bus you come in and you're the new ad you don't like him you throw him under the bus and he does well now you're sort of, or it does pretty good. You're like, wow, without any support, they still did pretty well. What if we would have supported them? They could have been a lot better. And then it's like a harder decision to to fire him and move on. Or you're going to be more criticized if you fire and move on. Cause like, well, you didn't do much around him, And he still won in this situation. It was just full support. Like there was nothing that was going to prevent. So there wouldn't be any excuses. And then it's a pretty clear cut thing where, you know, you had everything at your disposal. You were favored in 11 of 12 games and you only won eight of them. Uh, we got to move on. And I think that's completely fair. So I like the way they're doing that. And I, you know, uh, you know, we'll see, this is a yeah. make or break, prove it, whatever you want to say again, <laughs> this is the season. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. I know there's a certain type of USC fan who just for the reason alone that this athletic administration came in and supported us, uh, Clay Helton and, and kind of, 
built a better foundation for the football program. They don't like that. And they don't like that athletic, the new athletic administration because of that. But the thing you have to ask yourself is like, then what were they hired to do? You know, that's what they were supposed to do, regardless of who's coaching the team, you know, build a better foundation, bring the USC football program into this modern era of college football, but also ask yourself, you know, does Corey Foreman commit if you don't invest in these things? Do you like if you don't get a Dante Williams, if you don't get a Craig Nivar, you know, those those things are still important for the overall health of the USC football program. And I don't think you have that if it looks really messy from the outside where you have like this strife between head coach and athletic uh, uh, athletic director. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just it, you, you have to do your job regardless of what's happening at the head coach position, you know? So I don't I don't agree with fans who fault them for still trying to rebuild this football program. I mean, like, that's what you would want someone to do. Yeah, some of the fans just want you to burn it to the ground because Clay Helton's still the head coach. And it's like, nah, I mean, you could argue they're, what's the what's a good strategy or not. But their strategy is make the program better. If Clay Helton's successful, awesome. If not, you have a better program for the next guy. Yeah, and I feel like as... The last couple of years, the burning has happened <laughs> Like in other ways. There's been a lot of burning and flames around USC's football program. So I don't think that was the right strategy uh, to come in there and do. So I think if you can appreciate what they've done so far, then I think you have to give them some leeway that they might make better decisions down the line when it comes to the bigger decisions. You know? Yeah. And some of the stuff you didn't have to tear down because it didn't exist. You're like, all right. <laughs> True. We don't like all their support staff. Like, it's just terrible. Just fire all those guys, and then we'll hire new ones. Like, oh, wait, no, they didn't even have anybody. So just you just have to hire people because they didn't even have a department like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of short-sightedness uh, under the previous administration. That's just – it was like this nepotism. It was just this, like – I don't know. They were just they were just in their own world. Like, they're no, no one else mattered. They are just doing things their own way. They kept hiring inexperienced people, so they wouldn't. No one would come in and tell them they're doing things wrong. They mm-hmm. finally got someone that, from the outside to come in and say, "Okay, this is wrong," and so let's do things a different way. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes, but we're, we'll we're probably indeed. still making USC fans upset. That you know, <laughs> I know. Hey. By the way, Ryan, you uh, you told them to tweet me about the Trader Joe's bags, and I got some tweets. So, <laughs> did you? Yeah, you you have the power. You you sway them. So don't. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stop stop tweeting Keely. Go follow Shotgun instead of Keely. No, Unfollow maybe. Keely. Just kidding. Wait, just that... kidding. No. Oh, okay. I yeah, thought you maybe wanted... sway them towards me. Never mind. I take it back. <laughs> I retract that. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Well, we're not much, having much today. We we went on quite a bit. Um, good stuff, though, Keely. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to talk yeah. with you, Ryan. It was fun. Good chatting. And uh, thanks, everyone out there, for listening to the Peristyle podcast. Please send those questions in, especially during the offseason. We'll do our best, and we'll try to get some more updates from the winter workouts and all that. Make sure you're checking out the site. We should have some interesting war room stuff this weekend on Friday, so uh, we'll try to put some more of that insider scoop of what's going on at the winter workouts uh, in the war room this week. So that's Keely Yor. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's.
Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.